You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. everything we can. Can you imagine what God would do? Imagine what God would do in your life if we would only, well, I've given him everything. Have you really? Let's be honest here. Have you really given him everything? Maybe you have. But can you imagine what God would do to a group of people, with a group of people, if we all gave everything we had back to God, our lives completely over to him? Can you imagine what he would do? We have so little to offer God, and yet he wants it. He wants us to trust him with what we have, our time, our money. It's really his money, isn't it? The people we love, our jobs. He wants us to place it all in his hands and trust him to use it all for our good and for his glory. Today, Pastor Dave uses the stories of the early kings to remind us to live with God in control of it all. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 15 as he continues his message. Six kings, five notorious, one victorious. You are Pekahiah was killed in his own palace by another Pekah, his, his military commander who became king. Obviously, the blessing of the Lord was not with Pekahiah. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about this? What are your thoughts? We've just gone through five of these kings. What are your thoughts? Look at what's going on here. What a bloody time. What a horrible time. There's just no law and order. There's no peace. There's no tranquility. But yet, God is allowing them to prosper. So number five, we have Pekka. Let's read 27 through 31. In the 52nd year of Azariah, the king of Judah, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned 20 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel sin. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath, Pleisler, king of Assyria, came and took Ijon, Abel Beth Machah, Janoth, Kadesh, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, all the land of Natali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. Then Hosea, the son of Elah, led a conspiracy against Pekah, the son of Remaliah, struck and killed him, so he reigned in his place in the 20th year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. Now the rest of the acts of Pekah and all he did, indeed, they are written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel. So during the reign of Pekah. The Assyrians return. They return. They invade the kingdom now, and they're capturing various cities. They're doing various things now, and they're taking people away. They're carrying people away and making them slaves. Many Jews and Philistines were deported from the area to Assyria. Pekah is slain by his friend Hosea in yet another conspiracy and another coup. We're going to review Hosea's reign when we get to chapter 17. 
He's not much better than anybody else. There's not much written about these guys. There's not a lot to talk about. There's not a lot that we see except their wickedness. And every single one of them did evil in the sight of the Lord. Every single one of them followed the path of Jeroboam too. So Jeroboam 1, he's going to be held responsible for this entire generation after generation of people. As we wrap up chapter 15, we come to one who is considered a victorious king. His name is Jotham. Let's finish the chapter and then we'll talk. In the second year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all his father Uzziah had done. However, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? In those days, the Lord began to send Rizan, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, against Judah. So Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Hazaz, his son, reigned in his place. Oh. We're returning now to the southern kingdom. We've been dealing with the northern kingdom for the first five kings here. Jotham was the son of Uzziah who reigned with him for a time. Even when Uzziah was smitten with leprosy, Jotham, his son, reigned. They were kind of co-regents there together. And although he was considered a good king, we again see his half-hearted commitment to the Lord because he failed to take down the high places he failed to take down the high places their people sacrificed and burnt incense. Sadly, though, as we continue, we're going to see from Jotham that the 11th king of Judah, all the way to Zedekiah, the 20th king, that only Jotham, Hezekiah, and Josiah are considered good kings. Jotham was sort of a good king, but he didn't take down the high places. Hezekiah is considered a great king, and Josiah is considered, a, these two are good kings. They did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So you can see what's happening again. Now we're talking about Judah. We're talking about Judah, the southern kingdom. It appears that Judah has also rebelled against God. They started getting carried into idolatry also. Out of the ten kings, only three were considered good in the southern kingdom. Remember, the southern kingdom is David's dynasty. The southern kingdom belongs to David. The Lord kept the lamp of David burning in Jerusalem all these years, but there's going to come a time when the Lord had to bring in another nation to punish Judah. Babylon. And they're carried away into Babylon. They're carried away into Babylon to get punished because of their sinful nature. Jotham, like his father Uzziah, was a, both a builder and a warrior. He repaired the walls of Jerusalem and the upper gate of the temple. He also built many cities in the mountains. Turn, if you will, to 2 Chronicles 27. 
After 2 Kings comes 1 Chronicles. After 1 Chronicles comes 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 27. Remember, I told you that 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings are parallel scriptures. They carry the same thing, but yet seems like 2 Chronicles goes into more detail than 2 Kings. 2 Chronicles 27 it's interesting. I'm going to just read the nine verses. There are only nine verses here. Let's look. It says, Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerushah, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done, although he did not enter the temple of the Lord, like Uzziah did, remember? But still, the people acted corruptly. So even though he was doing the right thing, the people were acting corruptly. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord, and he built extensively on the wall of Ophel. Moreover, he built cities in the mountains of Judah and the forest. He built fortresses and towers. He also fought against the kings of the Ammonites and defeated them. And the people of Ammon gave him in that year 100 talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, and 10,000 of barley. The people of Ammon paid this to him in the second and third year also. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars and his ways, indeed, are they written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned for 16 years in Jerusalem. So Jotham rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Ahazaz, his son, reigned in his place. So here you have the whole picture now. Put it together. We read that Jotham's army confronted the northern kingdom and Syria several times, and they won some great victories. And he wins this great victory over the Ammonites, and they pay tribute. Look at verse 6. So Jotham became mighty. Why? Because he prepared his ways before the Lord is God. He's considered mighty and he's considered good because he prepared his ways before the Lord is God. This is what kept Jotham faithful and ultimately why he was blessed. This is what made him victorious because he prepared his ways to the Lord. He ordered his ways before the Lord of God. In Hebrew, you can look at it like it means to direct his ways or to fashion his ways. Similar to like someone wrote, like if you're crossing a creek, you have to intentionally place your feet on a rock to get across safely. Jonathan did this intentionally. He intentionally prepared his ways before the Lord. And isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to intentionally prepare our ways to the Lord. All right? The Lord takes it. He orders his ways before God, and that's what keeps him faithful. And when I read this, one of my favorite guys came into mind. One of my favorite guys came to mind. A gentleman by the name of Daniel. Gentleman by the name of Daniel came to mind when I read this that he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. He ordered his ways. In chapter 1 of Daniel, when Judah is carried away, Daniel and a bunch of the kids are carried with them. And they choose a bunch of kids that they're going to make into people who will wait on the king. And they start putting all this food before them. They start putting all this glorious food, the king's delicacies and all these things, and they wanted these kids to eat that stuff. They wanted them to eat it. And I love verse 8 of chapter 1 when it says, 
But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with his portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the chief of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. Daniel purposed in his heart. What I'm trying to say is, just as intentionally Jotham ordered his ways before God, this was the intention of Daniel's heart. He knew it was wrong to eat these things because Daniel, being a Jew, it was not kosher. They were not according to God's Levitical laws. He didn't want to defile his heart before God. He didn't want what was wrong. And I always ask the question when I teach this study. I always ask the question, why not? You're hundreds of miles away from mom and dad. Mom and dad might even be dead. You're hundreds and hundreds of miles away from your home. Who would know? Who, who would have known? God would know. Daniel was a man of integrity. Daniel had great integrity. Even though he knew no one would know if he gave the delicacies, he knew God would know. And he purposed in his heart. He made a firm decision not to defile himself before God. I liken this to Jotham in intentionally placing his feet in the steps that God ordained for him. And that's why I'm liking it to it. It fits for me. And I see this happening here because Jotham is blessed. Daniel, we know, gets blessed abundantly. He gets blessed amazingly because he doesn't defile himself. He doesn't do those things. We had a discussion about Joseph. When Joseph had a chance to be with Potiphar's wife, he ran away. Why? Because he couldn't do this thing in front of his God. He couldn't do this thing. Now I'm paraphrasing, but he couldn't do this thing to his God. He couldn't do it. He knew in his heart that it was wrong, and he ran away. These are beautiful pictures of what integrity means. Who would know? Who would know? But still, if you go back to 1 Kings again, you remember Uzziah didn't bring down the high places. He did what was right in the Lord, but he didn't, Isaiah didn't bring down the high places. What makes me wonder, what would God have done had he trusted in him fully? What would God have done if Jotham had trusted in the Lord fully and placed all his hope and faith and trust in the Lord God Jehovah? Imagine what God could have done. Because if you remember way back, I'll go all the way back to Jeroboam 1, God appointed Jeroboam 1 to be that king of Israel. And God had great plans for Jeroboam. But Jeroboam failed miserably when he allowed the worship of Baal and he allowed the idols to come in. He failed miserably. What would he have done had he given God everything? So I guess my question is, if only we would give God everything. If only we would give God everything we can. Can you imagine what God would do? Can you imagine what God would do in your life? If we would only, well, I've given him everything. Have you? Really? Let's be honest here. Have you really given him everything? Maybe you have. But can you imagine what God would do to a group of people, with a group of people, if we all gave everything we had back to God, our lives completely over to him? Can you imagine what he would do? We all want revival. Every one of us wants revival. That's what it's going to take for a revival to break forth. We've got to get real with God. We've got to get real. 
If Jotham had removed the high places, if he had reestablished worship in Jerusalem in the temple, imagine what God would have done. If we would just love the Lord our God with all our hearts and mind and strength, and we would only trust in him and serve him and obey his commandments, how much more would he do in our lives and how much more effective would our lives be? I think about those kind of things. I think about those kind of, I think about those kind of things in my life. Lord, I think I'm giving you everything, but maybe I'm not. What else do I need to do? How else can we move forward? How else can we show you everything? How much more? What's interesting, as we look back at these kings, that historically, in the history of the Jews, there's usually a godly father begetting an ungodly son and an ungodly father raising a godly son. And when we studied Jehoshaphat, who was a bad king, Jehoram, a godly king, Joash, gave the nation a godly son, Amaziah, and a grandson, Uzziah, and a great-grandson, Jotham. Jotham's son, Ahaz, was not a good king or a godly man, and yet he will beget a good king, probably one of the greatest kings, Hezekiah, whom will father someone called Manasseh, who is deemed as probably the worst king of them all. Interesting. We'll get to that when the time comes. We don't have time to go to Ezekiel 18, but Ezekiel 18 prophesies about this. So what shall we say then? God is sovereign and his gifts to nations and individuals. The Lord was long-suffering toward his people during the most difficult and evil days. The Lord is long-suffering with us in our most difficult and evil days. He faithful to keep his promise to who? Who was the Lord keeping the promise to the main person of all Israel? David. The Lord was keeping his promise to David. He was keeping his promise to David. But time was running out. After Ahaz died, only Hezekiah and Josiah would honor the God and seek to obey his will. Yet in spite of their sins and the failing of the people, the Lord maintained a godly remnant from the nation. And from that godly remnant, he brings someone most special to us, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I love it. Look at verse 37. Look at verse 37 in chapter 15. First couple words. In those days, the Lord began to sin. This was the beginning of the end of Judah. This was the beginning of the end of the southern kingdom of Judah. Remember, we talked about the beginning of the end of the northern kingdom, who would eventually all be carried away to Assyria. Here, this is the beginning of the end of the kingdom of Judah. We just said that there'll come a time when the Lord will send Babylon in and they will sack Jerusalem. They will take away, carry away, captive the nation, the kingdom of Judah. Beginning of chastening because of what they've done. But think about this. Think about this in our own lives. If Judah and her kings had responded to the Lord's chastening in the right way, God would have taken note. Why do you think it says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people? There's the model right there. 
if my people would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, if they would do that. But be it known that if they hardened their hearts and rejected the correction of God, he would take note of that as well. So I guess I have to ask, where's your heart? Where's your heart? Scripture says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Lord chastens those whom he loves. We're all going to go through a time of chastening now and then. A time when he takes you out to the woodshed. Has some serious conversations with you. Where are we now? Are you living in the will of the Lord or are you on the fringe looking in? Do you have a half-hearted commitment to the Lord like the kings of Israel? They did good in the sight of the Lord, but yet they didn't do this. Are you doing good in the sight of the Lord? I've accepted Christ as my Savior. He's my Lord. Isn't that great? Are you walking after him? Can I look at your life and go, that person's born again. What does your life reflect of your relationship with God? See, we can take all these things, this history lesson, and we can apply them to ourselves. These kings of Israel had no relationship with God whatsoever, and it looked it, it showed it. And even the ones that had sort of a relationship with God didn't have a complete relationship with God. And it showed drastically, and God came down on them. God's chosen people, he came down heavily on them. He's going to come down heavily on Judah also. God's not slack in his promises either way. He's not slack in his promises. He's not slack when it comes to faithfulness, and he's not slack when it comes to judgment. God is not slack in his promises. And although he is completely long-suffering, how long will he allow us to do the things we are doing against him and not hold us accountable? And that goes for our beloved United States of America. How long can we allow babies to die? Day after day. Aren't we doing anything different than Menahem did? By ripping babies out of the wombs of their mothers? Are we doing anything different? Not really. Not really at all. We're going to have to answer to God for these things. As a nation. I believe we're going to have to answer to God for these things as a nation. I believe that. We have to be able to apply it. How does it fit in our lives? How does it affect us? And how do we take it, you know? Because it's more than just a history book. It's a life book. And we can look at it and go, okay, how do I apply that to me? Well, I'm applying it to me by saying, don't have a half-hearted relationship with God. Don't have a half-hearted commitment to God. Commit to him totally and fully. Let him prepare your steps. Let him prepare your ways. Don't defile yourself in front of him. Be, have integrity. Have integrity. And let God lead you and let God guide you. I guess that's all I have. <laughs> I guess that's all I have today. We're not far from the end of Israel. In fact, in chapter 17, you can look down in verse 5. It talks about how they're taken away, captive to Assyria in chapter 17. So we're, we're right there. We'll continue on as we move through this incredible, incredible thing. Lots of good stuff still to come. You are sure. Our time with you today has come to an end on a sure hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 2 Kings. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. 
Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We gather each week for a time of worship and Bible study. Our service times are Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more details. If you prefer email, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 2 Kings. We're looking forward to the next edition as Pastor Dave will share more from this Old Testament book about the rise and fall of many kings. There are lessons to be learned about leaders who were just people. May what you hear give you a sure hope. Oh